0: All right, well, hello youth and young adults. I'm Pastor Adam, and I have the privilege of sharing with you guys today. I just wanna share with you how much I miss all of you guys. I know that this has been kind of the weirdest uh, camp meeting year ever, but we're making the best of it and uh, looking forward to seeing how God will bless throughout the rest of this summer. So let's say a short prayer, and I will get right into it. Lord, thank you so much for this day, and Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share, and I just pray that your spirit would be with me and with those listening and that those who are experiencing this message, Lord, would would come away with a blessing. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Still, being still. Now, that's a lesson that God has spent a lot of time teaching me in my life. I grew up in the most beautiful province in Canada, Saskatchewan. It's a... uh, so usually people say it's the place you go through when you want to go to the east side of Canada. It's where you stop for gas. But I still love it. I still have family there. And uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, there was lots of lessons that God had, had taught me. I grew up in a different uh, faith community. Um, I, one of the things I did as a youth, actually, I was an altar boy. And what was so important about this in, in this Catholic background that I was in when I was a kid was uh, you were an altar boy. You had to hold a candle well and you had to stay very still and I was holding this candle and uh, I was kind of tired because I didn't sleep much the day before and this big candle was getting closer and closer to my uh, clothes and I actually lit myself on fire in the middle of the service and so since that time uh, I don't think I'm welcome back there (laughs) anyway uh, People had to stomp out the pieces of clothing that were starting on fire. And uh, it was a great reminder of uh, how God was still working in me. Even without, even though I was staying still, I wasn't staying attentive. And uh, later in life, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. And I'm now with you guys today. Um, I have a lot of different experiences. Another one that comes to mind was where God actually saved my foot. And what was so crazy about this Experience was I was working HVAC HVAC, dealing with uh, furnaces and air conditioning and I was working in a place Where I was on a two-story cabin house and I'm on the top level and I'm working with this guy And our job is to put these metal pipes through the floor so they can be connected to the furnace and then uh, Upstairs would have heat now to get these pipes through the floor What you had to do was you had to cut holes in the floor and communication, I guess, wasn't our strongest point, this guy I was working with, and I'm standing there uh, about to just, I'm doing all this extra work, and my coworker, he's got something called a sawzle and a sawzle is like this big blade, and it can cut through a lot of things, it can do a lot of damage. So I'm standing there, and if you've ever been in a, to a construction site, uh, everything's moving around, everything's going kind of crazy, and uh, you can't really hear people, there's, Electricians, there's plumbers, there's people doing all these different things as the ground is shaking And I'm trying to pay attention to the job that I've been given. I look down and there's a saw blade going through the floor and All of a sudden uh, this this still small voice before I looked actually said move your foot and I I moved I looked down and the saw blade had gone through my boot through the sole of my boot and then through my sock and from that moment, I'm like, oh, no. Like, I must be in shock. My boot must be full of blood. And I run off. I throw the boot to my coworker. I'm like, look what happened. And I look at my sock, and I'm like, my goodness, my sock has been cut. And God, in that moment, that still small voice, was able to remind me just at that moment to save my foot. Because God had many different plans for me. Even though... Things were crazy around me. That still small voice penetrated through my experience. You know, James 1.5 says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. That near miss situation reminded me <clears throat> that I constantly needed to hear that still small voice, even though life can get so busy. I don't know about you, but God puts you in seem- seeming like Uh, experience classes where maybe he wants to teach you about patience so he puts annoying people in your life. Sometimes he maybe makes it so you don't have much money so he's teaching you a lesson on stewardship. Sometimes you are at a valley of decision or you're at the fork in a fork in a road and God wants to teach you about hearing his still small voice, waiting for wisdom so you can hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it god wants us in that trust class every single day so that we can say i've been able to trust in the lord with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding in all thy ways i will acknowledge him and he will direct my paths you know in my experience if someone would have told me that i'd be preaching at a camp meeting for youth and young adults i would have laughed at them god was nothing that i was interested in when i was younger i couldn't stay still in church the catholic church i went to when i was a kid i was that kid where the grandmothers would be like, shh, be quiet. And they would be, I'd be annoying everyone in church because I couldn't stand it. And so it's amazing what God will do, even in the midst of our rebelliousness, he'll still speak to us. I don't know about you, but maybe you've had experiences where you're playing hide and go seek as a little kid, and the, and the best thing you can do is stay still. You don't want to give up that spot. You know, someone introduced me to a show many years ago, it was called Survivor, Uh, I don't think I've ever watched a whole season, but I've seen clips online and I seen this one uh, Game that they would play where they all had to stand still they had this large like it looked like a baseball bat and they had to put coins and the one who could stay the most still had a chance of winning a million dollars standing still the Navy Seals uh, They go through some of the most uh, difficult training that there's ever been I think it's a It's called Hell Week, and these these soldiers, or wannabe soldiers, they have to be, be put through the most grueling physical training. Some of them have to stay in the plank position, if you're familiar, for as long as they can until their drill sergeant lets them up. Standing still is not easy for us as Christians. You know, I had a dog. His name was Jet. And this dog was not the most obedient. I remember I used to look at him. He was a uh, shepherd lab, and if you got too close to him, he'd try to bite your face. He was a pretty funny dog. But over time, uh, I, would, I would tell him, you know, I'd train him different ways, and over time, he actually began to listen. Just as I had to train my dog, oftentimes, in our experience, God is training us. And he brings people into our lives, sometimes, that we don't expect, don't want, didn't think we needed, but they are teaching us lessons on how to develop our character. Job was told to stay still in the midst of his most difficult situations. Joshua, before crossing the river, God told him, stand still. Moses, at the base of the Red Sea, seeing an army coming behind him and a sea that had no opening, God told him, stand still. In some of the most difficult situations that we ever go through, God desires us to stand still. There's something about our human nature that just can't seem to stand still. I don't know about you, but even just driving alone in my car, I need something to listen to. I, I, sometimes it's hard for me just to be still. Now, there's a story in 2 Chronicles that really speaks to standing still. And the context here in 2 Chronicles, uh, the first verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others and them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar. And so Jehoshaphat is looking at a situation. He's surrounded by enemies, and his enemies that don't even like each other link up to go after him. I don't know if you've ever had a situation where you feel like people are coming at you Look, he was looking at a three-on-one beatdown. This happened to me as a kid one time. I was at the uh, local fair in the summertime, and I was on a ride with a friend, and these people on the same ride (laughs) were like messing with us. And we're like, "Uh uh-oh, when we get off this ride, we're gonna be in trouble. And there was literally like three or four of them. They all wanted to beat us up. And because I'm a lover, not a fighter, um, I was able to talk my way out of it and be like, hey guys, you know what? Um, there's really no point of this. We're all gonna get kicked out of here. Do you guys, is that what you guys want? And they kind of thought about it and said, oh, okay, that's fine. But here, Jehoshaphat in this story decided to do something powerful. Instead of getting the Navy SEALs of his army, instead of getting uh, the most prized and best fighters he had, he decided to do something crazy and something bold. He decided to fast and pray and brought the, everyone together. And so what they did was rather than looking at their situations and looking at the things that they know they couldn't do, they repeated the promises of God and reminded God what he could do. I want to share a few of those with you right now. Verse 7 says, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, and famine... We will stand before this temple and in your presence. And so what is so deep about all these different uh, situations they went through is this is the pivotal part. Verse 17, you will not need to fight this battle, is what Jehoshaphat is being told. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. That's just crazy. And as the, the people come, he doesn't get, like I said, the most powerful people. He actually gets the choir together. And the choir starts singing. <laughs> and in this confusion, God is able to still give them the victory. You know, it's difficult when people are, are just plotting for your demise. I came across this man I know. He was a sold-out, devoted Christian man. And he thought... He was married or with uh, uh, somebody who was a, a Christian woman. And they were in, let's just say, uh, they, were, they were in the Middle East. No, Africa, I believe. And they're all the way out there. And all of a sudden, things change. All of a sudden, this lady wants out. She makes, starts lying. She starts making accusations against this guy. And what was so crazy is that even though the Bible says, you shall not lie or bear false witness. She was still trying to act like a Christian on the outside. She experienced a form of godliness, but did not know God's power. And so what was so crazy about this thing is that when things got so bad that she decided to leave him, she made over 20 accusations against this guy. And in his, it was just the craziest thing because when I, this friend of mine, I'm, I'm trying to talk with him. I'm saying, man, you've got to defend yourself. And he said, you know what, Adam, the best thing I can do is stand still because God will take care of this for me. Yes, he had to defend himself when an accusation came, but things got so crazy that the lawyer that was actually supposed to be against him quit because he could see through in his client the craziness of his client. He decided to take the words of Jesus, like when Jesus was being held um, for crimes that he did not commit, he chose to stand still, and God fought for him. Even the judge and even the other, um, all, everyone involved in the legal process were just, was just like, wow, this guy is innocent. It was impressive to see someone stand still and God stand for them. It doesn't matter who combines forces against you, my friends. God is on your side. You plus God equals a majority. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Evil always has a flawed strategy. If you stand, evil over time will always reveal itself and its foolishness. But it seems like it's always our instinct to get even or revenge. Now, I grew up playing this sport called hockey. And I played... What some would say the wussiest position. I was the goalie. I had the most equipment. I had a blocker. I had a stick. And what sometimes would happen is uh, when you'd cover the puck after you'd hopefully make the save, uh, people would come in and they would give you a hack. Or one time actually had a guy skate into my arm and I don't want to get all gross here, but it wasn't good. I had to leave the game. But what was so neat about it is I had these huge burly defensemen At any time someone messed with me, I could just give them the nod and say, can you please take care of this for me? And they would. Again, as a Christian now, I probably wouldn't sick other people on others, but it was fun and it was teaching me a lesson later in life that someone always wants to fight our battles for us. You see, when revenge is your motivation, God is no longer your inspiration. Revenge reveals that you lack faith faith says God will fight this battle for me, the Bible tells us that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Our human nature is also to find advice from other people. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to people that you trust and asking for advice. But sometimes we rely on that and we spend more time talking to people than we do talking to God. If we take the time to pray and we give those situations to God, we're giving God permission to work in a mighty way to change circumstances. Prayer literally moves heaven. <clears throat> now Jesus, one of the times where he was able to make things stand still was we, we understand when they were in the boat, he was sleeping in the back and the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, don't you care that we're gonna perish? And Jesus simply says, peace, be still. Jesus knows the storms of your life and he knows how to bring peace into them. There's sometimes it's easier to stand still and let him fight for you than fight yourself. The best fighting we can do is on our knees. You know, it's hard to stand still when your friends wanna get into certain things that you know God says not to do. It's hard to stand still when someone wants to give you a ride and you know that they're not all there and they've maybe been drinking or. under the influence of something. It's hard to stand still when everyone seems to look like they're having more fun than you. But it's better to stand still and let things pass. Because I found when I took a stand for God and I said no more, even though I lost a lot of friends, God replaced them with people that helped me grow in my faith. It's hard to stand still when people are lying against you. It's hard to stand still when people are manipulating you. But here's the thing friends, as you stand still, one who is greater than you will take care of it. Many people, here's something that's pretty interesting. In our Christian walk, there are times to stand still, but there's also times to speak up. And as I close in the next few minutes, I wish that more people would have spoke up about their relationship with Jesus with me. I grew up in a church, and yeah, I wasn't really having a relationship with him, but I didn't have many friends that even knew Christ or even told him about, told him about me. I remember when I learned about Christ, I actually, it was from a guy who wasn't even a Christian. I was in a time in my life where I was struggling with different things, and He was like, man, I I don't know if this is true, but you should look into this. And he told me everything he knew about Jesus. I don't even know if he had a relationship with him. But he sat me down and said, hey, man, look, things can't be as bad as you think they are. And this planted a seed in my life that led me to this situation today where I know him as my personal Savior. Now, friends, there is a time to stand still, but there is a time to go. You know? As I mentioned, I didn't grow up as an SDA. I wish when I was younger, someone would have spent some time and said, hey, you know, all those things that you're searching for in this world, they're actually not going to give you the peace that you think. I wish that someone would have told me about the blessings of the Sabbath. It's so funny. Um, Sometimes I see youth, they see Sabbath as like, oh man, all these things I can't do. But for me, when I came into it, into my early 20s, or I guess middle, mid 20s, I realized the Sabbath was the greatest blessing of the week. I understood that, like, if you would have seen me probably eight years ago, or 12 years ago, I was like 30 pounds heavier than I was. I wish someone would have told me and say, Adam, I wish you could learn the blessings of the health message. I wish you could learn the blessings of the things that this Bible actually teaches in regards to lifestyle. I wish I could have been told about the spirit of prophecy. I wish I could have been told about this message that's going to the whole world. Friends, when we walk by somebody in need, that's not the time to stand still. When we see somebody who needs Jesus, that's not the time to stand still. Jesus right now is in the holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. and He wants you to know him. He wants you to know that every sin that you've committed, he can deal with. He's paid for it at the cross. And I pray that every single one of you will be able to walk away from this message today, knowing that there are times to stand still and there are times to speak. And I pray that God will give you that wisdom. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to know you. Thank you for this opportunity to still hear your still small voice. As we see the craziness and the things happening in the world, God, we know, that you are with us even to the end of the world. And Father God, as we know that there will be times where we have to stand still, but there's also times we need to speak. Give us wisdom when to know what to do. So, Father God, we, we place these things in your hands, and we thank you for being who you are. Bless us with your spirit, and may you keep us safe until next year at Cat Meeting, where we hopefully we can be together in person. In Jesus' name, Amen.